Take your Bible and turn to the book of John in chapter 9. The book of John in chapter 9. John chapter 9. And look in verse 3. When Jesus was here, he was always talking about him doing the, the work of the Father. And you'll notice what he says here in John chapter 9, verse 3. Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the, and here's those words, works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. So there is a time in which we won't have any more opportunities. All of our opportunities to work will be over. So we like to say that, you know, I'm in the work of the Lord. But the work of the Lord, when I break it down and I study the certain scriptures, and it seemed like the work of the Lord was all about the gospel. I don't believe the work of the Lord is me just, you know, building the building. We may build a building. But why are we building the building? It's not about us having a bus and we just run a bus. But why do we have a bus? Why do we have a radio ministry? Why do we have the internet ministry? Is it that's why I could say, well, there's lost people that have all those same things. Don't lost people have buses? Don't lost people have internet? Lost people have radio programs? What makes it different than what we have? You say, well, we're doing it for the Lord. If it's not for souls, it's not for the Lord. The gospel, the work that Christ came to do was to get people saved. That's why he came. That's why he died. That was the work that God sent him to do, is to make that payment on the cross for our sins. And he paid the price. He did the work. And this is why he says, this work, I work a work in your day that you will not believe. So this work about their, what they not believe in is the gospel itself. And it's so important. And then he says here, in verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Uh, another scripture just came to my mind. Just turn over there to the book of John chapter 4. Look what he says here in uh, verse 34. The disciples had left Jesus. He had gone to Samaria, and they went to town to get something to eat, came back and said, you got anything to eat? And he said, oh, yeah, I've had a lot to eat. Anyway, he says up here at verse 32, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore, in verse 33, saith the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him something to eat? Ought to eat? Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his what? His work. What was he doing? He was sharing the gospel with who? The Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. He called that the work of God. He was witnessing to somebody. That was the work of God. And whenever he went to the cross to pay for the sin so that a person could be saved simply by believing, that's the work of God. We say we like to be involved in the work of God. But what is the work of God? Is it just wearing a coat and tie and looking important? I'm in the work of God. I think it narrows it down a little bit finer than that. And then notice what he says here in verse 34. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me to finish his work. That's the work. And therefore, we do have some work that we're supposed to do. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of John chapter 14. John in chapter 14. 
John 14, he had made the statement that, uh, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, In my Father's house are many mansions. Were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that when I come, I will receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And then he says there in verse 6, Jesus said unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, we know what the work of Christ was. And then he says, as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. I wonder, I just wonder, we don't have to die on the cross and pay for anybody's sins. Aren't you glad? But can we tell them what Jesus did for them? Can that be the work of the Lord that God gave to us to do? What did he say? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. No. Go into all the world and buy buses. Go into all the world and get on the internet. Go all the world. And, no, we can do all things can work together to accomplish a purpose. But the purpose must always be remembered. What is God after? He is after the souls of which he died for. And so he says here, in chapter 14, he makes a statement down here in verse 9. Jesus said unto Philip, he said, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am he in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. He doeth the works. You ought to underline. He doeth the works. Even Jesus said, it is the Father that does the work through him. You and I are supposed to be in the place as his representatives, as ambassadors for Christ. We're to do the work of the Lord. But the work of the Lord must be the work that the Lord does through us. And so he says in verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the very work's sake. Another place it talks about for the soul's sake, for the gospel's sake. And then he says in verse 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. What work can I do greater than him walking on water? What work can I do that's greater than feeding the 5,000? What work could I do that would be greater than making the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. What work is there that's greater than raising a man from the dead? What could I do? Preach the gospel. Do you realize that when you preach the gospel, you're helping a dead man come to life? That's better than the resurrection out of the grave. That when you help a man trust Christ as Savior and you show him the gospel, did you make, you're making him see and, and you're helping him to hear the voice of God and uh, you've you done all those things for him. That's a greater work than what Christ did physically while he was here. Except, of course, when he died on the cross to pay for our sins. So he says here, Also, and greater works than these shall ye do. Do you believe that God wants us as his children to work for the Lord? We work for the Lord, but as we work for the Lord, we also know the Lord works through us. There's a responsibility that God has, and there's responsibility that we have. Now that you have trusted Christ as Savior, God says you are created unto good works. We are to maintain good works. There are things God wants us to do, but I believe that what we do, it should be because 
it has something to do somehow, some way, for us to reach souls. Now, I know you have to work, and you've got to take and pay your bills, and you've got to have food to eat, you've got to have clothes to wear. And so there's an awful lot of things that just eat up an awful lot of our time. But wouldn't it be a shame to live your whole life and never had any time to do the work of the Lord? Or do you give your funds in order to do the work of the Lord? Do you pray because this is the work for the Lord? This is the work of God. And you believe that this is what God wants and you do it. Look at another scripture with me. Look in Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. As I was reading this the other day, I thought, man, I didn't read this verse so many times. I wonder what it says. You ever do that? Read a verse and you read a verse and you read a verse and you say, I wonder what it means. It doesn't matter how many times you didn't preach it. You just, no, I wonder if I can get anything out of that. So you just squeeze it again. But look there in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, if you was to glorify your Father which is in heaven, is there anywhere in the Bible that's talking about herein is my Father glorified that you what? That you bear much fruit. Is it possible that we could influence other people? That we have the let your light so shine that others may see your what? Your good works. So there must be something in your good works that somebody can see of which they would glorify your Father which is in heaven. I would like to believe that over the years, um, about 53, I've led a lot of people to the Lord. But I didn't just lead some people to the Lord. There are some people that I have trained to serve the Lord, to walk with the Lord, so that they have seen my good work because I saw somebody else's good work. I was at Florida Bible College, and I watched Ray Stanford sit in a ranch meetings week after week after week after week and in camps and in church, and people trust in the Lord. I watched that good work. You know, it wasn't going to church that caught me. It wasn't wearing a coat and tie that did it for me. It wasn't the jokes that Ray Stanford told, as corny as they were. That is not what got me. That's not what did it for me. Is that I saw people come to know Christ as their Savior because of this one good work. He was a soul winner. He won people to Christ. That's the work of God that I wanted to do. That's why I would drive a vehicle and wife and kids across the country in order to go to Indian camps so that I could do the work of God, so I could preach the gospel. You take that away. Take the soul winning out of it. Take the work of God out of it in that sense. Show me a purpose in anything else. It's all just no purpose. It's all vanity and vexation of spirit. But when you put in there this idea, the focus in upon the work of the Lord is the presenting of the gospel for the salvation of soul. It gives purpose to the bus that we have and to the ranch meeting and to the Reformers Unanimous and to the radio broadcast and to the internet. It gives purpose to everything that you're doing. Why? That's the work of God. And we want to be involved and we want to do as much as we possibly can. But I often wondered, I wonder if in verse 16, let your light so shine. What light? It's just how you live. You think he's talking about just um, lifestyle evangelism. So if I just live so good, everybody would just flock to me and ask me, why do you live so holy? 
and then I get a chance to tell them. Or is it possible that they saw the light of the gospel? Because isn't it true that there are some atheists that can live as clean a life as you? They can go to church too. But their light does not shine by which you can glorify God because it's the message. There has to be a light, something that helps a blind man see. And there's only one thing that I find that answers that. And I believe it is the gospel. Take your Bible, look in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. 2 Corinthians in chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look in verse 1. This is on page 1232 in an old Schofield reference Bible. And verse 1 says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, this ministry is this work of God. And we have received mercy, we faint not. means because the importance of the ministry, we don't quit. We don't stop. Whenever you read there in verse 8, we are troubled on every side, but we didn't quit. We are perplexed, but we didn't quit. Persecuted, but we didn't quit. Cast down, but we didn't quit. Because we have this ministry, we don't quit. We can't stop. Because it must be important. If it's just about looking nice, that's not that important. If it's just in walking inside of a building, that's not that important. But if a man's going to hell and God's given us a message to tell him, that is important. Wouldn't you think so? That is important. That's worth telling people about. That's worth going through all that you go through for the gospel's sake. Now look in verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, and how can the gospel be hid? Because Satan wants to silence those who know the gospel. They can't see the gospel. They don't hear the gospel. So if you let your light shine, means you let the gospel shine. And it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the, get this, light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should what? Shine unto them. Let your light so shine, I believe is a reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And therefore, men can glorify your Father which is in heaven because I have been thankful for 53 years for that man who sat in my living room. Well, I sat in his living room. And he told me the gospel. And I trusted Christ as my Savior that night. So, he makes his statement down in verse 6. For God who commanded, commanded the light to shine out of darkness had shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The light shined to us so that we could shine the light to somebody else. So I don't believe the Christian life is kind of nebulous, a spacey gracie. You do your thing and I'll do my thing and you do your thing and it doesn't really matter. You know, we all got our lives to live and we're just going to live by grace. And No, 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 no. There's a work that God has given us to do. There's a command that God's given us to fulfill. And I believe that we ought to get busy doing just that. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And look in verse 1. Be therefore followers 
are imitators of God as dear children. Then in verse 2, he tells us how we're supposed to walk in love. There's things that we're not supposed to do. It mentions in verse 3, things that are not supposed to be mentioned among us at all. Not once named among the saints. God wants his children to live a clean life, a pure life, a holy life. And then he says here in verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. In verse 10, Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, if we're not to have any fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, it means that we are supposed to have fellowship with the fruitful works of light. Wouldn't you draw that conclusion? I drew that conclusion. I think everybody can be able to draw that conclusion. I think it makes sense. If he says, you don't do this, and no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, then I am to have fellowship with the fruitful works of light. So that means that light, light is to produce fruit. Think about it. Light is to produce fruit. And we have the light, the knowledge of how to go to heaven. That's truth. That's powerful. A lot of people have no clue where they're going to spend eternity. And we do. So what are we going to do about it? Well, I'm glad you asked. Take your Bible, look here in the book of Philippians. Philippians in chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And look there in verse 12. Verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, that doesn't say you work for your salvation. But the Lord has put something inside that he wants to be worked out. And he tells us what it is. He which hath begun a good work in you, he wants to keep performing. Now look what he says in verse 13. For it is God which worketh. For it is God which worketh. Where? Where is God doing this work? In you. So it's God working in you and through you to get done what he wants done. And the work of the Lord is for you and I to be lights in the world. And look what he says, just to prove this to you. He says in verse 3, 13, For it is God which worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, if this is what God wants, and God wants you to be faithful and given the gospel, the light, the knowledge, then isn't it of his own will and good pleasure to place that light wherever he wants to? Do you ever feel that sometimes you're in a place where you don't want to be? And you desire this or that and the other? Listen, God can move his candles around, his lights around, but he doesn't want to light a candle and then hide it under a bushel. But he wants it to be seen. So there must be something. It's not just look at you glow. Faces all aglow. Sunbeam, a sunbeam. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. Well, I'm not right there yet. God does want you to shine. And look what he says in verse 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, 
in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. God may want to put you in the darkest of places. It may be on your job. It could be in the home. It can be in grocery stores. It can be anywhere. You never know where God is going to put you. And it might seem like it's so dark. And I thought about this. And I thought about this mainly because Peter made a statement the other day. And I was, I forgot where I was, but I, I heard him say it. I thought, that's a good statement. I wonder if he realized how, 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 how nice that statement was. I thought, no, he doesn't know that. He just said it, but he doesn't really understand it. He don't know how good that statement was. And it was boiling down to this. Because um, when you stop and think about the work of God, here's Abraham pleading with God. You know, if you have 50, and if you have 40, if you have 30, you know, would you spare it because, you know, Lot's there and so forth. And he came all the way down. He got down to how low? Got down to 10. Evidently, there wasn't 10 there that was righteous, right? Now, what, when he says, if there are 10 righteous, what made a man righteous? Was Lot a righteous man? In God's eyes, Lot was a righteous man. He was a just man. Not because of his lifestyle. Not because of where he was. Because the Bible says he vexed his righteous soul from day into day. But God had a man there. But the man didn't shine. You would have thought, if he had been a soul winner of any kind, could he have won five to the Lord? Or six? And he says, the whole place would have remained unto this day if the work, Christ says, that I do here in Capernaum, in Chorazon, if this work that's done here, and the work is the work of the gospel. If I had a man there that would have preached the gospel there, it would have remained to this day. But I had a man there, but he would not fulfill the responsibility. Interesting. And he says, I would have done many works here, but because of their unbelief, the Bible says he did not many wonderful deeds there. Why did Christ do all the miracles and stuff that he did? For people to hear and understand and to believe the gospel. But you see, there's places all over the world and there's nobody there to preach the gospel. There's nobody there. Is it because God didn't call anybody? Or is it because nobody wanted to go? And it's almost like Jesus was saying, these places would have still been there entire and sight on. They would still be there if he had a man. He had a man there that would do the work there that I'm doing here. If they would do that work, if they'd have preached the gospel, it could have made a difference. Do you know why Nineveh was spared? Why was Nineveh spared? Because Jonah gave the gospel. God sent a man. Did he want to go? But God made him want to go. And he went. And God didn't destroy them because of the impact of their believing the message that Jonah preached. Can one man make a difference? One man can make a difference. One man, one person. But God is working in us. And the fruit is supposed to be the result of the light shining. At least it makes sense to me. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. 
And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. The Bible says that God loves the whole world. But the whole world has sinned. So therefore the whole world is guilty. The whole world is condemned to an eternity in hell. We're all in debt. But God loves us. Wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. As righteous as God. Heaven is perfect. God is perfect. And you have to be perfect to go there. There's the problem. Nobody's perfect. We have all sinned and come short of God's glory, short of His perfection. So because of sin, we can't get in. So the Bible says, you and I, we cannot save ourselves. Man cannot produce any good works to save himself. And like we've said before, good works can't even get you into a good heaven. There is no good heaven. There's only a perfect heaven. Good works won't help. You cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sins separates us from the Lord. So Christ can't come to me and I can't come to the Lord. So what Christ did is he took all my sins, all of yours, sins of the whole world, paid for them on the cross and came back from the dead. So the sins of the whole world already been paid. Now, he says, preach the forgiveness. God will forgive you when you believe he did it for you. All you had to do is believe that he did this for you. So when you believe he did it for you, he gives you as a free gift everlasting life. He gives you his righteousness. If God gave you his righteousness, that would make you as righteous as God. You go to heaven on what Christ did. This is the work of God. This salvation plan. Being saved is the Work of God. It's not the work of man. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works. Man's works. And God says he gives you eternal life. The very moment you trust him. If you trust him right now. He gives you eternal life right now. And will never cast you out. And never lose you. The best news in all the world. Let's pray shall we. With every head bowed. And every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're watching by internet, on your screen, there's a little tag that you can punch and say, yes, I am trusting Christ right now as my Savior. If you've already done it before, you don't need to do it again. But if you've never trusted the Lord, would you trust Him? Say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I believe Christ died and paid for my sin. And I'm going to trust Him and Him alone to get me to heaven. Because you cannot save yourself. The church can't save you. I can't save you. No preacher can. Only the Lord. Would you trust him? I pray that you will. And if you do, I'd like to know it. You're there in the auditorium. If there's anyone here and you never trust the Lord, would you trust him right now? Would you believe that when Christ died, he died for you? And if you accept the payment he made on the cross for you, God said he would give you as a free gift, everlasting life. And he never cast you out and never lose you. That's how you can know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. Friend, that's good news. That's the best news in the world. Is there anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior tonight. Anyone at all? Our Father, we do thank you so much for all that you've done for us. We pray for wisdom in all these things. Help us to be faithful in giving the gospel, to be clear, understandable, and to be faithful in doing so because there's so many people that's never heard. We ask your blessings in Christ's name. Amen.